coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. We've moved from the transactional-based economy to relationship-based economy, both internally and externally. And I'm speaking of businesses. Company culture is essential. You really have to align yourself with a personality within your company in order to resonate with any customers. And I don't care if it's B2B. I don't care if it's B2C. It doesn't matter. You have to build that personal relationship in order to develop. Do you want to learn the tricks the top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help. Lead to Succeed picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, Episode 15. This episode's interesting fact is, prior to the 1960s, hockey sticks were straight. Stan Mikita, a Chicago Blackhawks Hall of Famer, is credited with introducing the curve to the stick in the 60s. Not only is today's guest a huge hockey fan, but he also knows about bending the stick, so to speak, to bring his clients the very best in web design, podcasting, and more. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking to Jamie J. Jamie founded Slapshot Studio LLC in 2013. He wanted a business that combined his lifelong passion for the sport of ice hockey with his ability to build websites, and thus, the Slapshot Studio brand was born. Jamie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Naftali. This is a, a pleasure, a privilege, and, and an honor. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And uh, I didn't mention in the intro that I had the pleasure of guesting on your program, and that was, you know, like it's it's always fun, really, to guest on any any show, and, and a privilege to be able to add quality content to people's programs. But I think our conversation definitely is right up there as one of my favorites. I think you made it really, really fun for me, and a great natural and uh, exciting conversation. And I really hope that I will be able to do the same uh, in, in hosting this conversation. So I'm super excited. I'm glad you are. And let's get right to it. All right. Okay. So here's my first question, because I just talked about you being a hockey fan and, you know, it's clear. I, I also follow you on social media. I see your posts and the pictures with the big smiling face of all the hockey related activities that you're involved with. <laughs> so let me ask you in perspective, why did you choose to integrate uh, the game so centrally into your branding and how does it help you to connect with people and clients? That's an awesome question. I think it's pretty straightforward for me. My passion is hockey. I love it. I just I just love it. If I could travel around the world and play hockey at all the different arenas and meet all the, you know, the hockey fans and the players and and not I'm not talking about professional. I'm just talking about the, you know, the the people that just love the sport and they go out and they play their weekly games or whatever. To me that that camaraderie, the, the finding out their stories and sharing uh, a passion that aligns with others, it's just a lot of fun. And I wanted to make sure that I made that same type of passion in my professional career. And so I integrated the both of them. And the reason I did that is because it attracts like-minded people. Typically, when we talk like the way we're starting out right now, we're starting a conversation based on hockey. And for me, it's kind of selfish, but I love it. It's a lot of fun. You and I talked about the Capitals and and I love following the Capitals. I love, you know, just it's a great way to get conversation started. And I'm a big fan of networking and meeting people and introducing people. And what better way than to introduce people that share a similar path than the, than the sport of hockey. Beautiful. 
Yeah, it's interesting because uh, you mentioned the Capitals, and uh, I'm an Islanders fan, and so we our two teams. Although I don't, I don't think are we in the, are they in the same division? Uh, Metropolitan. I get confused because of the yeah, realignment they're... and all the chain. They're still in the Metropolitan. Yeah, okay. So they definitely are competitors, and over the years they've had their moments <laughs> together in the playoffs and other times. But I don't know if you really do want to make it over to the Barclays yeah. Center nowadays. I mean, the the quality of ice there is not quite good. And I'm I'm really a uh, a fan of yesteryear in the Nassau Coliseum, though it wasn't quite the nicest place to watch a game. But there was a certain hominess yeah. to it, I guess you would say. So let's mm-hmm. let's stay there with hockey for a minute. And I want to talk to you about leadership lessons. You know, hockey is an interesting game to me. I actually wrote a blog post about it on the Huffington Post some time ago. Mm-hmm. I think I shared it with you via email. Sure I don't did. know if you got a chance to see it yet. But uh, to me, hockey is such a different sport. You know, yesterday I went to a Jets game with one of my kids and, you know, there's a lot of celebrating. There's a lot of me first that seems to exist, even though it's clearly a team game and you certainly cannot win the game of football by yourself maybe unlike basketball where you can kind of take individual, whether that's a, a Michael Jordan or a LeBron, that type of player. But even in football, you see so many people who tend to act somewhat like prima donnas and especially the receivers having to all have their own special <laughs> dance and as we'd say in Yiddish, their shtick. But in hockey, there there just seems to be no matter who scores and, and how they score and how much individual talent uh, comes to four, whether for my case, a John Tavares, or in your case, um, why am I forgetting his name? Ilya. Um, I'm sorry. What's his well, name? Well, there's uh, Ilya Kolchak. Uh, he he used to play for the New Jersey Devils, but there's Alexander Ovechkin. Who's Alexander Ovechkin. Thank you very much. That guy's a thorn on everybody else's yeah. side. But he's great. <laughs> he's great. But you see, and, and he was a little bit of a showboater, but, but generally speaking, most great players still have the humility and the sense to include their teammates, they huddle up after goals. Typically, they, they you know, uh, glove five, yeah. I guess, or fist five. <laughs> their their teammates as they skate back to the bench. So, what is it about hockey that really speaks to the concept of leadership? Because again, lead to succeed is really all about leadership. And I think that if our listeners can gain not only some insights about the ice, but also about leadership lessons from the ice, that would be a really great takeaway. Sure. And thank you for that. That's, um, yeah, it's uh, one thing I'd like to add to, you mentioned about the Stan Makita straight sticks. When I first started playing in 1975, I used a straight stick, a straight wooden stick called a Northland. (laughs) Um, So they were still around pretty prevalently in the seventies. But, but as far as uh, what I think separates hockey from the other sports and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm a sports fan. I'm into it. But once you start getting paid, just those huge, huge, huge salaries. Of course, you know, a lot of people, it gets to their head and stuff like that. And I think you're seeing that a little bit more now in hockey, now that the salaries are going up a little bit. But that being said, I've had an unbelievable a lot of uh, NHL players and alumni, and they have been the most respectful, genuine people. They're really tough on the ice, but I tell you what, they have got really kind hearts. And I can't say that for the other sports because I don't, I haven't really met too many of the other sports people, basketball players, football players in person. But the thing that I like about hockey and about the team is that they worry about the crest that's on the front, the name that's on the front of the jersey, not the name that's on the back. And um, that's something that's been said over and over again. And they really put team first. There's always a couple of exceptions to that. But for the most part, I think that's why you see the teams huddling together and celebrating and and talking, you know, hey, how can we do this? You always see them talking on the bench. Hey, this is what happened. You know, the teams that win are communicating. The teams that aren't 
winning, you see them on the bench just sitting there. So communication is key. And I think you see that quite a bit in the game of hockey. Beautiful. You know, it's interesting you talk about the crest on the front versus the back. Yeah. As a Yankees fan, I think you have no choice. <laughs> there, there, There is nothing on the back, which actually I think was quite, quite the issue when sometime in the middle of this past baseball season, uh, I guess MLB as a marketing gimmick wanted to give players the opportunity to put their nicknames uh, on the back of their jersey instead of their regular name. So even the Yankees got in on this. So many of the purists around New York City got all bent out of shape that we you know anything on the back of the jersey other than a number is already, uh, you know, I'm just trying to imagine the legendary Bob Shepard who announced Yankee Stadium games in the PR system for decades, <laughs> you know, now betting for all the Yankees, you know, when he used to do the famous Derek Jeter or whatever it was. Tutu, I don't even remember their nicknames, but like you, you just can't even imagine, the, you know, the guy saying anything like that. So there was definitely a lowering of the bar, but I guess it makes it makes it fun and and fun is important. So let's stay exactly. uh, on the topic of fun because I know how much fun you have with your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Tell us why you got started with podcasting and how has it helped you scale your business? How has it helped you make new connections? And And feel free to roll in if you'd like. Why would you think perhaps that others should start a podcast as well? Oh, I love talking about podcasts. Uh, You and I probably would not have met had it not been for podcasting. So I'm thankful for that. I got started in 2014. I went to a marketing event. I was speaking on a marketing panel in San Diego, California. And there was a gentleman there that was really, really big into podcasting and been doing it for 10 years or so at the time. And he said, Jamie, you got to get a podcast. And I said, well, I'm doing so much other stuff and uh, I don't know. It seems like maybe a squirrel. Well, that was in February. In September, uh, September 1st of 2014, I, I launched my show. I am so glad I did. I wish I would have done it sooner. I cannot tell you how much fun it is. All the different people you get to meet. Again, I love meeting people. I am a a, a self-proclaimed connector and uh, just a dreamer. And I enjoy the conversations that I get. I get to dive into to people like you. I get to, you know, we, we got to learn a lot about you and just dive deep into what you're doing, your life, and sharing with you an opportunity to maybe introduce you to other people. And I, I just think podcasting is such a great medium for that. And it's free. I like that it's free. It's an extra platform. I think it just takes blogging and all of that stuff to a, an unbelievable higher level. And I think a lot of people get into podcasting maybe for the wrong reason, thinking that they're going to monetize their podcast. And there's definitely nothing wrong with that. It does take some time. But I got into podcasting because I really want to share. I really want to meet people. And over time, it does monetize. And I call it indirect monetization just because of the relationships you build. If I'm talking to you, you may know have a friend that needs a website or wants a virtual assistant. So you'll say, hey, I have my good friend, Jamie. I was on his podcast and he does virtual assistants here. He does websites. And I found that a lot of business comes through referrals based on my conversations uh, from my podcast. So I love podcasting from a networking standpoint and just for the fact that you get to meet so many interesting people. Absolutely. And uh, you you are right. We never would have met, I'm sure, at least not as quickly as we did and certainly not on the level of depth that we've connected, uh, if not for each of us now having uh, a podcast. And I agree with you. I wish I would have started sooner as well. But what I want to pick up on one point you talked about the ability to connect with people. I think it's fascinating that, you know, in most cases, people are busy. Some people just maybe based off of who they are or think they are, sometimes may not be so inclined to 
connect with somebody that frankly they don't know so well and nobody's to blame them for that but i find that when i when i connect with somebody and specifically mention that i have a podcast and specifically mention that i'd like for them to you know join me on 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 a recording uh, all of a sudden it's a different conversation so number 1 it breaks down barriers that often exist within the business world and within communities and relationships in general so that to me is one fantastic and wonderful reason to get into podcasting and number 2 the depth of conversation you know when you engage somebody in a conversation which is really an interview at least at least it's structured that way and then of course it hopefully becomes a natural conversation the level of depth the level of comfort hopefully, you know, that you at least aspire to to achieve is far better than you're going to get, at least again, what I've experienced at a standard mixer or some type of social or marketing event where you're just sort of around and meeting new people and exchanging business cards and making light, light conversation in most cases. You have the ability here to research someone, to talk to them, to talk to them in depth, to continue the conversations afterwards, to share it in social media. It's such a different level of engagement. And so um, I, f- I found it to be such a fantastic ride. And I recently actually wrote about this because these are many of the benefits I didn't even think about or maybe perhaps wasn't made aware of to the degree that I've experienced it since I got started. Oh, yes. And you had asked another question, you know, why should someone get started? Yeah. I think we kind of covered that. But number one, I think moving into 2018 is going to be the year of video. I really believe that. I mean, I everybody said that in the past couple of years, but I really think it's going with the launch of, you know, Facebook Watch and things like that. But podcasting, uh, people that are getting into video casting, podcasting is such an unbelievable medium that if you if you do not have podcasting in your marketing outreach uh, in 2018, I would seriously um, <laughs> recommend looking into it. A lot of people are afraid to get into it because maybe they don't like the way their voice sounds or how are they going to get guests to come on their show or whatever it is that they're going to do. What kind of show are they going to do? And some people think, well, heck, I'm not techie. I don't understand it at all. There's people out there that can help you with that stuff. And one thing I'll, I'll tell you is it doesn't matter in the podcasting community. I've found everybody, just about every single person I've met has been so helpful and so kind. And if they have a very similar show to mine looking for the same audience, there's no competition, really. If I was to call up one of the people that is most successful, uh, that has a show very similar to me, and I said, hey, how are you getting your downloads? How are how are you, you know, what are some tips? You, they would be the first person to jump up and say, oh, this is what I'm doing. So I really think it's a good community. You meet a lot of interesting, incredible people. And again, it's an an unbelievable way of creating content. So you have the audio, you can repurpose it, you have the written show notes. Um, and of course, if you do video, you have video too. So you can do video, audio, and written content. There's, It's just unbelievable. That's the number one reason why I would say to get into podcasting. Awesome. I, I don't want to beat the podcast uh, concept down, you know, till it's a dead horse, but I do want to go a little bit further because it's, I remember I participated this past summer in an author's event, I recently wrote my book, Becoming the New Boss. And I wanted to, you know, gain all the the the, the tricks of the trade and, and meet new people that were also authors and had experience, et cetera. And there was one gentleman who got up. He had been in media for many years. This was in Chicago. So he was from the Chicago community. And he talked about a podcast. He's now an employee, an executive in a local company. I don't remember exactly what they produce, what they do. But nonetheless, he said he started an internal podcast 
uh, to share with employees and perhaps others as well about their work and perhaps other things. I don't remember exactly all the specifics, but I guess what I'm trying to anticipate here are the listeners who are listening to our podcast and they're, you know, so to speak, quote unquote, regular professionals in a regular work environment. They're not necessarily so focused on marketing. They're not necessarily so super focused on networking. How could you see people like that connecting with the idea of podcasting in a way that will help them both professionally as well as help their organization, either in terms of growth and or with regards to internal communication and general morale and engagement? Love that question. Oh my gosh, I love that question. So we've moved from the transactional-based economy to relationship-based economy, both internally and externally. And I'm speaking of businesses. Company culture is essential. You really have to align yourself with a personality within your company in order to resonate with any customer. So I don't care if it's B2B. I don't care if it's B2C. It doesn't matter. You have to build that personal relationship in order to develop. And a lot of companies now are doing internal podcasting for their company, for franchises, for whatever it may be. I have a friend that has a franchise. He's got 60 some locations and he does does a podcast just for his franchisees. And he talks about things that are happening, ways to improve success stories. He talks to different franchise owners and he, they, they get to share their wins, their strategies, their challenges. And this really helps internally in that company. And I just think it's a tremendous, tremendous value. And a lot more people are starting to do that. I think they're going to be starting to do that at uh, UPS and, uh, you know, all these other big companies are starting to use internal podcasting. I know ESPN does that. Uh, I think ESPN has like 15 different podcasts, but I just think it's an incredible way of communicating, whether it's B2B, B2C, or an internal uh, podcast that you can set up. I, th- I just think it's a, a great way of sharing information that's easy to consume and you can consume it anywhere you're going. If you're mowing the lawn or you're driving or doing any of that, anything like that, you're not watching a video. You have time to just pop in the earbuds. If you're running or walking, exercising, going shopping, whatever, you can consume it anytime, any place. It's very easy medium to you know, learn from. Absolutely. It really is. And I see people all the time walking the streets, listening, and probably a lot to music and other things as well. But I think the quality of the content that people are listening to keeps getting better and better. And I happen to love to listen to audiobooks when I'm in the car, but podcasts are great mm-hmm. as well. And uh, they're very different. You know, an audiobook really typically has a bigger mission, so to speak, you know, direction that it's going and sort of adds depth to it. Whereas a podcast is a standalone conversation with lots of nuggets and lots of gold, similar to what we're getting out of this conversation with you, Jamie, today. And I really hope that Lead to Succeed Nation is is picking up on the many things that you shared. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask you more specifically back to the leadership side of things. You've accomplished a lot, but we all know that we struggle in various ways. And, and I think it's important for us to be able to talk briefly, but nonetheless, about those challenges, because ultimately that's how we grow and that's how we become better than where we are today. So share with us a leadership struggle uh, that you encountered somewhere along your journey and how you overcame it. Sure. That's pretty simple. In 2008, 
we had a big housing crisis here. The, the bubble burst big time. And I had a real estate ad agency. <laughs> mm. We lost 72 clients in the span of three months. The first thing to go is the advertising budgets. That's first. Then second is administrative costs. But first is advertising. And that's what we did. That was our bread and butter. I was very irresponsible. We were rolling in it. We were having a lot of fun. We had earning money, but I didn't save any. So when I lost that as a partner in that business, we had to close our doors. It was devastating. It was a pretty dark time. I would say the two other dark times that that were not business related that trumped this, but how I recovered, it took a while. It took a couple years actually for me to get back on my feet. Uh, it caused me, I literally lost everything. I lost my home. I lost, I lost everything. Uh, and so it taught me that I need to be very thoughtful and plan. And it also made me look at what I'm doing now. Where is that going to be in a year or two years, three years from now? And how do I put, you know, some padding around myself? So if something like that were to happen again, you know, I can overcome it and still get by um, comfortably. And also the people that I'm working with, I can help them to get by comfortably as well because we have a staff here and they, they count on me. You know, I got to pay them and they do awesome work for me. But how do I kind of... Uh, collapse proof, you know, what it is that I'm doing. So I always think about that kind of things. And every time I make a decision, I make sure that is this going to be something that can can carry on even if we go through tough times. And and I think I've done a pretty good job of that. And so that's what I've learned out of it is is be really thoughtful, you know, in making decisions. Wow. That's a, a very powerful story. And I think 2008 really, you know, it's one of those episodic I think saying episodic moment is somewhat redundant, but, you know, I often, because of the work that I do in education and, and in general trainings about memory and retention. So it's, it's, it's one of the things that we know we remember best are episodic related memories, whether it's where you were when Kennedy was assassinated, if you're old enough to, to remember that or 9-11. So I think 2008, maybe it wasn't a single moment. But the idea of living through that time of uncertainty, watching your stock market, your stock portfolio, you know, tank and, and, and watching people lose their homes and all sorts of things that were just very scary and terrifying. And this idea of collapse proofing, I think it's great because, you know, it really helps you mm. think beyond and, and, and people are oftentimes their businesses are really wedded with particular industries. If you're, for example, an educational coach and you're dependent on certain government uh, funding in order to ensure that you do the work that you do and get paid for it. So what were to happen if the government uh, changed its budget and chose to allocate less fewer resources towards, uh, you know, coaching and professional development, where would that leave you? That's just one example I can speak to, Exactly. but there's so many examples that, you know, you're, 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 you're knee deep in a certain technology, you're knee deep in a certain service. And what would happen if the market shifts and all of a sudden that technology is no longer in demand the way that it was. So I think that's a great lesson because unfortunately you had to go through what you had to go through and it took a few years, like you said, to get out of it. But if people can learn how to I mean, there's no, there's no guarantees in life, but if you can find a way to protect yourself from these kinds of scenarios from occurring to the point where you at least have a plan moving forward, I think that's great. And, and that yeah. alone was, I think, worth our conversation today. Yeah. And, and don't be afraid to pivot. <laughs> <laughs> that is the truth. So, so maybe you just answered my next and final question for this segment, but maybe not. And let me know uh, either way, what would be going back to your 25 year old self? You can kind of go back in a, in a time capsule 
and, and you're having a conversation over a cup of coffee, what would be a primary lesson that you would share with your 25-year-old self? You obviously don't want to take away the fun, the excitement, the journey, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you want to maybe cut down on the learning curve a little bit. What would it be? Yeah. So surround yourselves with people that you really respect and don't always try to, in my personal experience, I've always been prideful and um, thinking that it was my fault if something failed, my fault if something succeeded, when in all actuality, I think it's a team effort. Because a lot of the things that I've done, you can't do it alone. I don't care what you're in. Even if you're a single solopreneur, you know, an entrepreneur doing your own thing, and it's just you, you don't have any assistance, you don't have anything, you still need to have relationships in order to succeed. And I don't care, again, if it's B2B or B2C, it doesn't matter. And that, I think, was a challenge for me when I was younger. It was it was all about me, 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 me. And uh, as soon as I realized that, boy, if I could tell my 25-year-old self, it's like, Jamie, just relax, man, and, and listen. <laughs> I think that would be huge advice that I wish I would have had for my 25-year-old self 22 years ago. Holy cow. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Time time really does fly. But the nice thing also is that it helps you to keep learning, mm. which uh, I remember listening to Jim Rohn, and he talks about how we're really the I guess you'd say the average of the five people we spend the most time with. And, and, and I agree with you, the, the relationship piece is really critical. And even if you are a solopreneur, which to a large degree, I have been at least at the beginning of my journey, transitioning out of school leadership into executive coaching and, and some of the other work that I do, nonetheless, those relationships are critical and having people you can turn to get their opinion, get their insight and simply work with at least on occasion to be able to, you know, to build your business and, and find, you know, learn about best practices. I think that's great advice. And I thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. One other thing I'd like to add, if you don't mind, if it's okay, please, is the other thing that I, I was in corporate America and there was a big emphasis on how you dressed, how you looked, you know, watch you wore, you know, the, the suit that you wore, the shoes you had, or they, I mean, we had the, you know, the, the guy that would come in and he'd fit us for our custom shirts and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and I really got caught up in that. And if you see me nowadays, I'll go to an event or something like that, even if I'm going to be speaking or something. And I'm very relaxed now. I may wear a button up, but you will never see me in a tie. I wore a tie one time. But I don't, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen you <laughs> overly formal there. <laughs> yeah, no, there's certain times where it may call for that, but I've gotten rid of all my suits. I've one suit just for that that special occasion and i think i think a lot of people are too worried about what other people think and it, you talked about you you know surrounding yourself with the five people you spend the most time with and, and that kind of thing if you're surrounding yourself with five people that you want to be like but they're not really they don't they're not good people. They're not good friends. You can't go to them and say, Hey, you know, I have a problem. Can you help? And they'll be like, ah, you know, I got to go, you know, out with my buddies or whatever. I think that there's a difference between surrounding yourselves with people that may be successful that are kind of, I don't like to say fake, but you really have to resonate with those people that you're surrounding yourselves with. I mean, you really have to. And of all the people in the world, if you can get those five people that, you know, we'll just call you just to say how you're doing and you call them just to see how they're doing. That's what I think um, success is. I don't think it's the suits and the ties and the, you know, Giorgio Armano and the, you know, the big, you know, gold watch and all that stuff. I think that that really, really cheapens things. And I don't think it's real. 
Understood. Yeah, I think authenticity is is critical. And I think more than ever, you know, it seems that people are moving away from some of the external measures and they're really looking for authenticity in messaging, authenticity in relationships. Maybe it's because of, I'm not sure if it's because of social media and the fact that we do so much of our communication on the superficial, very external type of way by which we're always seemingly showing our best side of things and and not really opening up to the challenges we have. So when people, I think, I see this on LinkedIn in particular and Facebook as well, when people are willing to share real opinions that are not just strong political opinions or things like that, but opinions about or vulnerabilities, perhaps, you know, the fact that things have not always been easy or their challenges mm-hmm. or what they're doing to overcome their insecurities. That's what attracts people, I think, more than anything else. And I feel that if we can find a way to maintain a professional persona and profile, but at the same time remain authentic, I think that's a great balance in today's marketplace. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're now going to shift to the rapid fire. Awesome. So, Jamie, here we go. You ready? Yes. Your favorite sport that isn't hockey. Favorite sport that isn't hockey would have to be... Oh, gosh, that's a tough one. I'm going to say that's not hockey. Oh, gosh, I don't have lacrosse. (laughs) It's so funny because I was actually thinking of that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why, but that's what came to my mind. I guess it's just like the stick, the helmet, the whole thing looks kind of similar. (laughs) Best antidote for a down day. Oh, my gosh. A, A kiss from my girlfriend. There you go. Room, desk, and car. Which do you clean first? Uh. Room, desk, and then Uh, car. uh, uh, Okay, in that order. Got it. Okay, I was about to say desk for me. If you looked at mine, probably (laughs) waits the longest. All right. On a scale of one to 10, how extroverted are you? Not uh, three, four. (laughs) More of an introvert? Yes. Oh, me too. Okay, awesome. Thanks for lifting the curtain for us a little bit there, Jamie. So (laughs) now I'm going to give you the floor to talk a little bit more about yourself, about your work, how people could reach you and learn more about the great work you do. Well, first of all, Naftali, thank you so much. I really appreciate you inviting me on. It really means a lot to be able to share with you and your audience. Um, If people want to get a hold of me, they can go to slapshotstudio.com. And we're doing a lot in the virtual assistant arena now. Um, So you can go to bottleneck.online. And we help stop the bottleneck and we do virtual assistance there. And, and that, that business has really been taking off and we're helping a lot of people grow their company without the high impact of the high cost, high overhead. So we're aligned ourselves with some pretty great uh, virtual assistants that uh, really, really help a lot of people out. So those are probably the two ways you can get a home or you can just Google. I'm pretty much <laughs> finally took over Jamie J, the music uh, singer. So I, you can find me number one on Google now for my name. <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. That's fantastic. Yeah. There are some people when you search them, you find all sorts of people. So I'm really glad that you are front <laughs> yeah. and center. And we, of course, are going to leave your links on the show notes and including your social media links as well. So people can connect with you on uh, on social media. And really, it's been an honor for me to have you, Jamie. So uh, it's really been my pleasure. And I think Lead to Succeed Nation has gained uh, tremendously as well from hearing your your insights, your enthusiasm, your love for life. So uh, thank you for really making such a contribution. And please, before you go, leave us with one final life lesson that we could take with us today. 
Oh my gosh. Thank you, Naftali. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The final life lesson, or I guess I should say a life lesson that you can take with you today. I think in the next 24 hours, set up a schedule, plan the schedule for your, your week. There is a book called The 12 Week Year. You can do something like that, look it up. But, but for in the next 24 hours, just jot down the schedule for the week. This will prevent you from getting the, I call it ESS, entrepreneurial squirrel syndrome, um, or employee squirrel syndrome. But if you can schedule your week, just start with one week and schedule it out and see how much more productive you are. I think you'll you'll really uh, that's a good life lesson to learn, because if you can build a habit out of that, uh, you'll be much more productive and things will fall in line a lot better for you. Beautiful. Yes, we all could use some additional help with productivity and scheduling. So thank you for that. And that was some great resources you shared as well. Today's leadership quote is innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower. Steve Jobs. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to head over to impactfulcoaching.com where you can sign up for our blog, download a free leadership ebook, and so much more. Jamie, thanks again for coming on the show. It's really been a pleasure. I look forward to talking with you further and from learning from you and have a wonderful day. Thank you.